right? And it's good news that God saves sinners. And that beautiful name needs to be proclaimed. It, it demands to be proclaimed. It has to be proclaimed to every tribe, tongue, nation, and language. And the whole world needs to know that God saves sinners. We need to know right here in Coleman, Alabama, and around the world that God uh, saves sinners. And for that reason, and for that great commission, uh, that's it. That's the foundation. That's the vision of what every church is about. However they word their mission or vision or whatever, at the end of the day, it's about proclaiming uh, to a world that desperately needs to hear the beautiful name of Jesus. That's it. So why do I say that? Well, uh, big meeting coming up, y'all. Next Sunday night, February 4th, you heard our children's minister announce we're going to have this uh, uh, members meeting, a business meeting. Boy, that'll make your blood pressure go up. A business meeting. And then the vote will be the following Sunday, February 11th. Uh, so the discussion is next Sunday night, February 4th, the vote February 11th uh, to discuss a, a building project. Uh, but that's my point. It's, it's not about the building project. I mean, if the church decides to go forward and build, it, it, it's ultimately why? For the glory of God. That's what we're after. We're after the gospel to the nations. And so if we need to build a, a bigger spring pad, if, if, if the facilities need uh, to be upgraded and, 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 and designed in such a way to point the city heavenward for the glory of God, then so be it. But at the end of the day, it's proclaiming to the world the good news that God saves sinners. That's what we're after. And so the church has a, a big decision um, and, uh, 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 to enter into that. Like I said, the meeting February 4th, the voting of February 11th. So my thinking today is we're going to we're going to need uh, some things that only the Spirit can do, right? I mean, when, anytime you're faced with a, a big corporate decision like that, for one thing, we're going to need the unity that only the Spirit can keep. You know, the Bible says the Spirit keeps the unity. Because we have the unity, we're unified behind Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean uniformity. It doesn't mean we have to agree uniformly on every detail. But we're unified behind the Lord Jesus. We need the Spirit to keep the body's unity. We have experienced Unity, it's sweet, it's good. So we need the Holy Spirit to keep it. We need wisdom. We need His grace. We need strength. We're going to need uh, 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 discernment and intelligence. So what do you do to prepare for a, a, an undertaking like that? What do you do? What does any church do before a major undertaking? Or what should we do? And I think it's this. We need to pray and fast. I feel like we should pray and fast. If you miss the rest of the message, like if you've had all you can take and you're ready to tune out, <laughs> then here's the point. Uh, I believe uh, it's on my heart to call us to a corporate prayer and fasting this week in advance of that meeting. Uh, I'm, I'm going to suggest, I'm going to suggest you pray. We're going to be praying throughout the week. And then in terms of a fasting, we'll spend the rest of our time talking about that fasting. Uh, let's, let me suggest this. After dinner Tuesday night, just kind of shut down the old kitchen. <laughs> and then all day Wednesday, right? So we're maybe skip breakfast Wednesday, skip lunch Wednesday, and then we'll come back together. And uh, that way, for those of you that enjoy the Wednesday night meal here at 5 o'clock, uh, uh, we can break the fast together at that Wednesday night meal at 5. May want to 
put a little extra meat in the stew, in the stew <laughs> and, uh, Wednesday at five. Um, but that, that'll be one way we can break the fast. That's always fun to break the fast, uh, corporately. Um, now if you want to join us, some of you have done this before, uh, as a church, many of you are, are seasoned in fasting. And so, uh, uh, for you, this all makes sense. You won't need a lot of convincing. You won't need a lot of, you certainly won't need any, uh, uh, a lot of this information. You're like, yeah, I'm all in. Um, then you can go ahead and skip to the end. I'll put this, I'll put this up at the end too. But for those of you that are ready, uh, I would, I would offer this one thing. Oh, that's funny. Get your phone ready. If you want, that's, that's true. If you want to, uh, uh, receive a little word of encouragement from me on Wednesday morning, then um, I'll send out a, a, a text blast or a text message or something on Wednesday morning. It'll just be very short. I won't spam you. I won't, I won't blow you up. Uh, your phone won't, won't be ringing off the hook or anything like that. But just a word from me on Wednesday morning. If you're going to participate corporately with us on Wednesday morning, text this number and let me know you want to receive that text. So if you'll, uh, yeah, there it is. Two, so text the word fast. <laughs> Sorry. You can text it as slowly as you want. But I realize that may be confusing. What word? I'm ready. I'll text it. So if you text the word FAST to 256-291-0511, so you type in 256-291-0511, and then in the message line, just type FAST, hit send, then that'll put you in a big uh, group of text messages that'll go out, and I'll send you something on Wednesday morning. It'll just be an encouragement. Good morning from Pastor Tom. Uh, as we fast today, here's a, might be a Bible verse to uh, think about, consider. We'll leave that up. We'll leave that up for a second. Um, that's it. And we're going to focus our time together on, uh, on, on prayer and fasting. And I just think this is such a timely uh, moment in the life of our church here. And I just, I couldn't be more excited about what God is doing. And I want, um, I want to, Seize this moment uh, for uh, prayer and fasting, preparing our hearts. Now, if you're new to the idea of fasting, uh, this may sound crazy uh, to you, right? For some, this is, this is uh, uh, something very common. Um, but I think there are still a lot of folks in the church and a lot of folks in Christianity that are unaware of the spiritual power available to them in fasting. I would, if I had to title this message, I would say uh, fasting, unlocking spiritual power. It's out there. It's available. Fasting is perhaps a means, maybe is the way to look at it, of, of unlocking spiritual power. So I want to teach, I guess, on kind of a fasting 101. I want to give, to give an overview of fasting. Think of it this way, fasting for beginners. Now, here's the thing. If you are uh, an expert in fasting, it won't hurt you to have a review, and hopefully it'll be an encouragement to you, and it will affirm you in some of your, in the spiritual discipline of, of, of fasting. But for those of you, maybe it's been a while, or you, or you need that, you need that nudge. A lot of times, I think when it comes to these spiritual disciplines, the pastor, just like any a discipline is an exercise, right? It's just something you do. It's weight you put on yourself, whether it's lifting weights or doing calisthenics, because you want to be able to do something. The, the, the exercise is not the point. You want to be able to do something. So you exercise. You, you go to the gym and you work out. Why? Because what you really want is to be able to run on the beach with your grandkids. 
right? You want, you want the health to be able to do those things that your body needs to do. So you, for a limited time and, and for a specialized way, you, you practice, you do some, cal- some spiritual calisthenic, if you will, to get you ready uh, to live life for what you really want to do. Well, this, this spiritual discipline of fasting is, is no different. So the pastor sort of becomes personal trainer for a moment and uh, a spiritual trainer. And you try to say, well, let me encourage. I think one of the reasons a lot of folks have never tried fasting before is they've never been encouraged to try it. Nobody's ever believed in them and said, hey, this is something you can do. This is like, this is a thing. Christians do it. And it is, you know, so the, 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 there's a lot of misunderstanding. We, we hear about fasting around the world for religious reasons or political reasons, right? Muslims fast during the month of Ramadan, for example. You hear about hunger strikes. And of course, there's dietary and health reasons people fast and medical procedures. There's popularity, something called intermittent fasting. A lot of people have had great success on that for, for health reasons. Um, but, but that's not so much what we're interested in today. Today, we want to look at biblical fast. What does that look like? There's a lot of misunderstanding. Some people think fasting is something that's only for super saints, you know. They think, oh, f- what, what was it in the Bible? Jesus fasted for 40 days, 40 nights. I could never go 40 days and 40 nights. Some of you are like, it's been 40 minutes and I'm still thinking about plastic donuts from last Sunday, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> Uh, for some people, there's a lot of confusion because they say, wait a minute, we're New Testament Christians. We're under grace. Isn't fasting an Old Testament command? And they're worried about legalism. And that's actually a legitimate <clears throat> concern, legalism. Uh, they have a lot of questions about how does the Old Testament relate to the New. But actually, in 1 Timothy uh, 4, Paul actually has to warn Timothy that at the church of Ephesus, he says there's going to be these wolves that are going to sneak in there, and they're going to come in with all this legalism, and they're going to tell God's free, beloved children, they're going to tell them they have to abstain from marriage and abstain from foods and, 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 and basically command people and put them under this bondage of legalistic fasting. So people know to be aware of that, so they think, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to do anything that's legalistic, and uh, uh, I don't want to do anything wrong, of course. And for many Christians, they just don't think about it. Life happens. You get busy. But once you open your eyes to the concept of fasting, you see this spiritual discipline everywhere in the Bible. Fasting is biblical. So if you're a note taker, typically, you know this, if you've been around First Baptist for any amount of time, you know that typically I take one passage and work my way through that one passage. When, when you do a topical message like this on fasting, we're going to walk through, we're going to trace fasting through lots of scripture. So if you're a note taker today, you're going to have lots of scripture verses that you can write down, and I would encourage you to go back, and it would benefit you greatly to look at these all in more detail. But fasting is biblical. Almost every major character in the Bible, when you see God pour out his blessing, there was fasting. Moses, King David, Elijah, Ezra, Esther, Daniel, Paul, the list goes on and on. I'll just, I'll just zoom in on two. Um, one is, I mean, Jesus himself. Jesus himself, he fasted and he assumed fasting. So the first would be Jesus did it and he assumes it. I'll just give you two to, sh- to kind of prove the issue that, that it's a biblical doctrine. <clears throat> you remember most famously Jesus fasted uh, in Matthew 4. Matthew 4 verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Isn't that something? Jesus has just had his baptism. He's going to begin his public ministry. And uh, uh, Satan is getting a sense of what this is going to grow into. So he thinks he's going to nip it in the bud. And Jesus, his hair is still wet from his baptism. And the one who taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation, was himself led by the Spirit into the wilderness 
for the showdown with the devil. You remember this? So, verse 2 is interesting. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, in what may be one of the all-time understatements in the Bible, he was hungry. Ponder this with me, and this will set the tone for the rest of the teaching on fasting. Did, who, who picked this battle in the wilderness? Follow me now. Did Satan realize that Jesus was fasting 40 days and 40 nights, so he tried to strike, turn these stones into bread because I bet you're hungry. Did Satan pick the turf because after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he knew Jesus would be at his weakest? Or did Jesus know he would face the enemy? And so for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted so that he would not be at his weakest, but at his strongest. Something to consider. He also assumes it. Uh, in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, all I want to show you here in Matthew 6, 16, he, uh, he, remember he, pre he preaches on three topics. When you give, don't make a big deal about it, just give this way. When you pray, don't go on and on and on with a bunch of complicated words. Just pray our Father who art in heaven, here, you can pray like this. And when you fast, and when he gets to the when you fast, the only point I want to make is, notice he says, and when you fast, not if. So it's when, not if. That's my point. Jesus did it, and he assumes it. He assumed that fasting would be a practice that was normal in the life of a Jesus follower. And I told you I'd give you two. Jesus did it, and the early church did it. The early church did it. So I'm just trying to build it. All I'm doing is showing you a foundation that fasting is biblical. Uh, every major event in the book of Acts, the book of Acts tells the story of the early church carrying out the great commission of Jesus. There was a church-wide prayer often with fasting. In his book, Radical Together, David Platt notes no fewer than eight different times where he says there was a major breakthrough in the book of Acts, and every time you find a breakthrough in the church, you go back just a few verses, and what was the church doing? They were praying. They were humbling themselves before God. I could give all eight examples, but one will suffice just before Saul and Barnabas are sent out. Can you imagine the missionary journeys of Saul? What happens just before? Acts 13.3. So after they had fasted and prayed, they ordain Saul and Barnabas. Right before this major event, there is fasting and prayer. So hopefully this will clear up some misconceptions. Biblical basis, let me conclude the biblical basis with a definition. Good, a good definition to get us going. Biblical fasting. Okay, so what is biblical fasting? Is choosing to abstain from food for a period of time for spiritual purposes. There's a working definition of fasting. It's very simple, right? Not eating. <laughs> now, I, 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 I'm, I want you to notice uh, each word. Biblical fasting is choosing. Ah, that's very important. Choosing. Um, uh, this, is not a, uh, this is not a New Testament obligation for uh, Christians. This goes back to some stuff I said last week about tithing. Right? Uh, I am not trying to take an old uh, covenant uh, legalistic mandate and lay it as a burden on new covenant Christians. No, th th this is something we freely choose to do. Why? It is a spiritual discipline. Spiritual discipline. Um, it is very different being forced against your will to march somewhere. And there are people that ponder this for a second will actually pay good money to run a marathon. I can remember running once in a race, and someone, you know, there's all these posters people hold up. 
And at some point, it was like mile 20 or something. Everybody's in agony. And the funniest poster somebody held up, remember, you paid for this. <laughs> I thought, that's, that's really true. But that's it. That makes all the difference in the world. I chose to do this. This is a spiritual discipline. That doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. It doesn't mean, but it means it's, it's going to be right. And there's a difference when God's free people freely choose to give offering, whether it's the tithe or whatever. When God's free people truly free, freely obey, when God's free people truly free to obey as sons and daughters and free to come under a discipline of fasting, there's great spiritual power there and freedom. But that's why choosing to abstain from food, abstain means to, to refuse, to, to, to not partake, from food. Uh, you, you know, some people might point out at this point, they say, well, you know, I, uh, what about I, I fast from screens or from social media or I, I'm going to fast from Netflix or some habit. That, that's great, and God may call you to, to do that. And all of those things, to abstain from them at times, may be very wise. Biblical fasting is, uh, generally is, is speaking about food. Having said that, uh, for a period of time, right? So it's a set, pre-arranged period of time. Having said all that about screens and all that, you, you, you know, th this should n not need to be said, um, but uh, I want to say it. There are, obviously, there are people here who should not fast. I mean, you know, I, there may be some medical conditions, or if you're uh, uh, diabetic, I guess, or pregnant, or, you know, the, I'm not a, uh, well, I'm not a doctor. I'm not the kind of doctor that can help anyone. So I, if, uh, <laughs> if you... If you've ever struggled with or currently struggle with an eating disorder, I'm just thinking of examples. This is not meant to be an exhaustive list or if you have some health concern. Um, and, you know, use, use wisdom, you know, for the youngsters. Um, you know, it could be that in the, in the children's ministry, uh, our wise uh, leaders here may counsel them to give up something else or give up a screen or give up... Um, uh, I know some kids, I would give up an arm before I give up screen, please, anything with that. Uh, but, you know, use, you want to use wisdom. But either, either way, you, you'll be able to have a great conversation uh, if, if you explain to your kids, hey, we're, you know, mommy and daddy, we're not, we're not going to eat today, and, and here's why, and, and, and hones in on um, for, for spiritual purposes. And, and the kids um, may not be fasting from food for that time, but they'll, they'll, it'll certainly get their attention, um, and you'll be able to have that spiritual conversation. Here's the point, for spiritual purposes. That's the key. In other words, m motive is, is, is huge. Fasting without prayer isn't biblical fasting. It's just hunger. Um, uh, this is different than fasting for blood work or fasting for you know, some procedure or something. Health is not so much the point. Uh, this is uh, uh, spiritual purposes. Okay, so that's the definition. Now that the biblical foundation is laid and the definition is in place, I want to show you some benefits and then close up with the how-to. So when we talked about the benefits, we talked about the purposes. Um, I want to start with some, maybe some wrong reasons <laughs> to fast. Motives matter. Let me say that again. Motives matter when it comes to fasting. Just like, this is, this is why I put this back to back. In some ways, it, it makes all the sense in the world. Talk about stewardship one week. Talk about fasting another week. Week, because just like with money, it is about the heart. The motives matter. And so um, uh, here's some wrong reasons. Let me do it this way. Here's some wrong reasons. And the first one is somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but <laughs> wrong reason one. It's not some sort of uh, bizarre fad uh, Christian weight loss program. Um, you think, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to fast. I, I could use a, you know, trim up a couple pounds. I, I did have one fella uh, tell me, and it, he says, I, I know why you're, you're preaching on fasting when it comes to, you know, uh, 
building program and all that stuff. Uh, if we're thinner, we can fit more people on the pews. <laughs> very funny comment, but not at all. No, not at all. Um, again, it's for spiritual purposes. I doubt anybody would, uh, would struggle with that, like vanity or something. But if, if that were the motive, it would be a wrong motive. Uh, th- this other one, I don't think you're going to struggle with too much. But um, Jesus uh, warns us about this. And so wrong reason number two would be fasting as a way to impress others. Right? That would be, it. That would be another example of a wrong motive. Uh, if you're doing it to show people how spiritual you are or doing it for your own personal glory, um, Jesus says, then that's all the reward you're going to get. Uh, do you remember this famous passage in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6? And when you fast, he says, don't make a huge deal about it. Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. They disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. You got the idea? So, they, you know, they're, they're making a big deal about it, and they're putting, you know, ashes all over themselves and letting the whole world know that they're in a season of fasting. He says, don't do it like that. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He's saying, don't make a big deal about it. This is something you're doing between you and your heavenly father. So what does he say? Anoint your head, wash your face. What's that mean? Comb your hair, wear clean clothes. Make it a normal day. If you're a college student, don't comb your hair and wear wrinkled clothes. Why? Because it's just supposed to be a normal day. Obviously, Jesus is not uh, saying that it is uh, somehow a sin to tell others, you know, as if when we fast, we shouldn't tell anyone, you know, let our right hand not know what our left hand is doing. Does that mean we shouldn't tell our spouse we're fasting? We should do it in complete secrecy. No, Jesus is not saying the point is secrecy. Jesus is saying the point is humility. The point is not secrecy. The point is humility. You might write down this great quote. It's about motive. It's about motive. Listen to this quote in his book, Hunger for God, his book on fasting. John Piper writes, it's so insightful. It doesn't mean that if somebody finds out you're fasting, you know, you're, you, say, say you want to join the church uh, and do it on, on Wednesday. You want to join with everybody's corporate fast on Wednesday. And by the way, if, if Wednesday you've got some big important plan and you have this meal and it's scheduled, I, I hope nobody is sitting there thinking, oh man, I was going to do this big thing Wednesday and it's not going to work. Well, then do it Tuesday. Or do it Friday. That's, that's okay. But let's say we are, are doing it on Wednesday, and on Wednesday, everybody's going out to lunch, and they say, what about you? Why aren't you coming out? They say, I mustn't tell you, you know? And we're like, what's wrong with Bob, you know? Like, no, it, like, it's okay. Uh, Piper's point is being seen fasting is very different than fasting to be seen, Right? So Jesus actually invites us to imagine a funny scene where uh, a person, we'll call her Lucy, doesn't want to boast openly about fasting, but she thinks, well, if I look a little ragged, maybe someone will ask me why. So she doesn't wash her hair. Maybe I'll skip makeup, and I'll, I'll just smear a little brown and gray under my eyes so that when she arrives at work, her friends notice at once, Lucy, they exclaim, what happened to you? You look terrible. Are you all right? Oh, yes, she says, I'm fine. Just a little hungry. Well, then let's get you something to eat. Oh, no, no, I mustn't. For you see, I'm fasting. Oh, Lucy, you're so holy. (sighs) Am I? I Oh, please, right? 
Jesus is saying, come on, that's what the hypocrites do. They're, they're leaning into this to show off how holy they are. Well, Jesus is saying, if that's the reward you're after, then that's the reward you'll get. I hope you enjoyed those few minutes of, of, of narcissism. I don't think you'll struggle with those two first wrong motives, but Jesus does point it out for a reason. This one, though, is the sneakiest. Wrong reason number three, and this is the one I most want you to hear. It's not a way to impress God. Listen to me. God loves you. Uh, Psalm 116 says, I love the Lord because he listened to me. Because he inclined his ear to hear me, therefore I will cry out to him day and night. That's Psalm 116, verse 1 and 2. Why? What's the psalmist saying? He's not saying, I had to jump up and scream and get God's attention. I had to enter into a season of fasting or God wouldn't listen to me. No, it's exactly the other way around. Because God inclined his ear to me, I love him so much. I want to cry out to him. Your fasting does not set off some radar in the heavens, some, some dashboard in the heavenlies where God's like, now I have ignored First Baptist Coleman. I have forgotten about them. But you know what? They're fasting. I better now pay them some attention. No. God has made the first move. God has initiated. And I thought, if you're here today, my, my heart was wrestling with, if somebody's here today, it's, it's really a teaching message all about fasting. But what if there's somebody here today, you don't even know God as your heavenly father yet? What if, just like a message with tithing, what if you come and you think, well, is that preacher saying you got to tithe so that God will love you? No. Is that preacher saying you got to fast so that God will love you and accept you? No. This preacher's saying the opposite of that. The only reason a person tithes is because God has richly loved them. The only reason a son or a daughter fasts is because they already know and are assured by the love of God. And if you're here today, you don't need so much uh, to think about the spiritual disciplines that are going to help you run this race. You've got to think about what's going to get you into the race to start with. Who's going to pay the entry fee to even let you get in this race? Only Jesus. Jesus has invited you to run this race. Now we can talk about the things that will train us to run it well like fasting. It's not a way to impress God. You couldn't impress God anyway. You can't get leverage on God. Think about it. If you gave up bread, if you gave up food, how would that get leverage on God? He's the one who gave you the food. He's the one who feeds us. Who has ever given to God? Romans 11 says, Romans eleven thirty five. 35, who has ever given to God that God should repay him? In other words, how are you going to get God in your debt? How are you going to get leverage on the Almighty? You're not. Well, we are not fasting because God needs our fasting. We're not fasting because somehow we, need to, we, need, we feel the need to impress God. No, 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 no. No, we fast because it's the other way around. We need God. So with the wrong reasons out of the way, the right reason. The right reason is simply this. The primary purpose of fasting, to center our life on God. That's it. To reset. To center our attention on God. To worship God. Our attention gets split in so many different directions. At the most visceral level, hunger allows us to recenter, to reset back on God. That's it. It's for God. Uh, in fact, uh, the Lord, the prophet in Zechariah 7, God calls out the people 
for their motives. Motives matter. You've heard me say that multiple times now. Motives matter. In Zechariah chapter 7, verse 5, ask all the people of the land of the priest. When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months for the past 70 years, in other words, when you were agonizing that the temple had been destroyed and you were in all this self-pity, that, that's one motive. But I want to know, was it really for me that you fasted? Was it really for me that you fasted? Did you have some ulterior aim? Or did you just want to center your life on me? That's the point. There's so many secondary benefits to fasting. But if this one is not established, that we fast to center our life on God, uh, the rest is just uh, side benefits, extra benefits, secondary benefits. In fact, I'm calling them bonus benefits. The primary purpose of fasting is God. It's to center our life on God. There are some bonus benefits. Let me do these quickly. I won't, I won't belabor. I might belabor the first one, but the rest I promise I won't belabor. Bonus benefit number one, and this is uh, from Richard Foster's book, The Celebration of Discipline. I thought this was so insightful. Fasting can reveal what, if anything, controls us. Remember in um, 1 Corinthians 6th chapter, uh, Paul says, um, uh, 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 all things are lawful for me. All things are permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. He was only going to be dominated. He was only going to be mastered by Jesus Christ and led by his spirit, not by anything else. Uh, Richard Foster writes, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. He writes, this is a wonderful benefit. Here's why. We can cover up what's inside of us sometimes with food and other things. Now, modern psychology has actually caught up to ancient truth on this, that you hear that a lot. People will talk about they have so much pain in their life, they say things like they have, they have chosen to medicate their pain with food, or they've chosen to medicate their pain. They anesthetize themselves by eating or by just endless scrolling on their phones or whatever, right? Um, and sometimes that's a rare technical syndrome, fine. But we all do that. With, we ease our discomfort many times using food or cover up our unhappiness, which is why fasting can expose what's in there, pain or pride or anger. Here's Foster's line. If pride controls us, it will be revealed almost immediately. David writes in Psalm 35, I humbled my soul with fasting to humble ourselves before God. We can talk about that. It gets real when we enter into the spiritual discipline of fasting. Anger, bitterness, jealousy, strife, fear, if they are within us, they will surface during fasting. Now at first, if you've, if you've had this experience, maybe this will make sense. At first we think, why would I be so short-tempered? Or why would, I, why would I have such anger or bitterness? Or why do I have such pride? At first, if you're fasting, you think, well, it's obvious, it's because I'm hungry. I'm hangry, you know? But over time, we'll realize, well, when we get squeezed, what's in us comes out, always. And if these things are inside of us, rejoice in that. Don't beat yourself up in that moment. Say, wait a minute, we notice some things are being revealed as, as, as we're being stripped away in fasting. We, we say, wait a minute, healing is available through the power of Jesus Christ. And fasting will bring that out. You'll have to deal with it. You can't just smother it, right? It can be devastating. But Pipe, John Piper in his book, Hunger for God, he says fasting is really feasting because we're going to commune with God. Will I find spiritual communion with God sweet enough, he writes, and hope in his promises deep enough? 
not just to cope, but to flourish and rejoice in him? Or will I rationalize away my need to fast and just retreat to the medication of food? Fascinating. Fasting reveals the measure of food's mastery over us, or television, or screens, or whatever we submit to again and again. And if, it's, if we're not careful, it will conceal our weakness of our hunger for God. Humility. It can reveal what's in there. Bonus benefit number two, it can increase effectiveness in prayer. I can't explain this, but it, 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 it seems to, um, oh, I don't know, maybe you've had the experience of driving somewhere way out in the, uh, 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 far, far away from civilization and your cell phone coverage, you, you, you know, you, you feel like you're, you're not getting through to the person on your phone, and so what do you say? You say, I, listen, I've, I've got to go to a place where I get better reception. I've got to go to a place where I get better uh, able to those lines of communication. Fasting, in a way, is our sense of going to a place that's going to get that better reception. Uh, and that leads to bonus benefit number three. You can better hear the voice of God. So much noise. There's so much noise. The fast allows us to hear the voice of God. This may not be your experience. You may say, well, I didn't receive any of those benefits. I didn't hear God, you know, as uh, 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 I, I thought he would bring to mind certain scriptures or reveal to me uh, things that I, I've known from the truth of God's word. All these things may not be your experience, but just stay at it. I hope that, again, it's fasting 101. This is an invitation to join, to begin, jump into this spiritual discipline. Try it. Stay at it. Bonus benefit number two, deliverance from sin. This can give you strength. If there's sin in our lives, like, go back to that. It can reveal what's in there and may add to deliverance over sin. But the best reason overall, again, the, the, the number one benefit is none of these bonus benefits, is to center our life on God. Well, I've tried to lay out biblical basis. Uh, I have tried to lay out uh, the primary reason for fasting and some bonus benefits. And I want to close with uh, super practical how. How do we do it? What are the nuts and bolts? Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> How can I plan it as a regular part of my spiritual training? Uh, so, okay, so here's how. Um, let's just, just dive all the way in. Uh, there are two types of fasts. Uh, Richard Foster and other um, uh, spiritual uh, uh, formation writers uh, point this out. I would agree with them. There's two types of fasts. There's a normal fast where you abstain from food, but you drink water. Take lots of water, by the way. In fact, when you fast, one of the things you'll notice is how uh, your, the verses about water in Scripture <laughs> seem to get your attention. That's a normal fast. And then there's a partial fast where you do water, but also juices, things. You know. um, so you have to choose which one you're going to try, the normal fast or the partial fast. Um, <laughs> and I think the, the spirit of the partial fast is for, you know, if you, need, if you needed the... Caloric uh, or, or the vitamins or something. I mean, if you look, if you grind up a ribeye steak into a smoothie, like I, <laughs> I don't think that's I don't think that's within the spirit of the uh, partial fast. But <laughs> so there you go. So you have to decide normal fast, partial fast. The other thing you want to do is is decide your timing, how you want to do it. Um, I think that this is one of those times, just like in inner, any spiritual, just like in any physical discipline, you don't just say, well, I'm going to lift weights, you know, um, I don't know, I don't have a plan. M most people have a workout plan. They have some regimen. Hey, I'm going to do this many reps. I'm going to do this much time. And I think when it comes to fasting, it is very wise to say, I'm going to do a 12-hour fast or I'm going to do a 24-hour fast. Uh, does everybody hear me say this? You, you can't, you, 
I mean, you can't fail at this. I, I don't want anybody to say, well, you know, you don't have to come up and say, hey, listen, I'm not going to be able to do that, or I can't do it Wednesday, or I can't, or, or you know, like, be led of the Lord on this. If you say, well, look, I'm going to do 12 hours, or I'm going to do 24 hours, or, or I'm going to, you know, um, I'm going to go from, like I said, Tuesday after, after supper on Tuesday, I'm going to wait on, and not eat again until uh, Wednesday supper. That, that's what I'm going to do, by the way. If you're, if you're curious what my plan is. And so if you want to join me in that, that's what I suggest. But it's just a suggestion. That's all. That's all good for individual fasting. There are times in the Bible when the entire congregation fasts. Esther, before she goes before the king, and you remember that famous scene, if I perish, I perish. She asked the whole uh, people of Israel to fast for three days. Uh, the, uh, the king of Nineveh asks everybody to fast. When Jonah preaches that God's going to destroy, he even tells the livestock they have to fast. Uh, Jehoshaphat is faced with this massive army that's coming down in Second Chronicles 20th chapter. Jehoshaphat realizes he has no power against this army. And when so many things are coming at the church in 2024, I don't just mean our church, I mean capital C church. Uh, uh, so many things in 2024, it sometimes can feel like a massive horde, a great army attacking. And Jehoshaphat calls together a fast. The people of Judah came together. Alarmed, he resolved to inquire of the Lord and proclaimed a fast for all Judah. And the people came together to seek the Lord. His prayer in 2 Chronicles 20 is a model for all of us. Oh God, we have no power to face this vast army attacking us. Here it is. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. That verse gets me every time. As a leader, do you feel that way? Yeah, I'm not a leader. You lead. There's some, something God has dominion, given you dominion over. In some way, you have to make choices. You have to make decisions. And even as I'm talking about fasting, obviously it's a context of church. We're faced with a big undertaking. But you may be thinking about some great decision you have. There may be some struggles in, in your life. Nobody knows about some things you're, you're, you're up against. Jeho Jehoshaphat's prayer is very instructive. Oh, Lord, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Listen, it's not a sin to not know what to do. Not knowing what to do, I, I just call that Thursday. Like, that is a... That, it's a very common experience in my world. Not knowing what to do is not a sin. But it's wrong to not know where to look. And Jehoshaphat says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I don't know what to do, but I know where to look. I know where the spiritual power is. It's in you, Lord. So that's it. Fasting to center our lives on the glory of God. The uh, invitation to, uh, I'll put that number up there again. Okay, there, oh, well. Um, if you missed it the first time, you can take a picture of that or just jot it down or whatever, and you can send that out. Obviously, if, uh, if you want to get a word on, um, you know, if you want to get a, a word of encouragement on Wednesday morning, you, you'll need to do that before, before Wednesday, um, which you certainly don't have to. You don't have to do that to join us in the fast. So um, next steps, uh, here we are, next steps, this is it. Uh, number one, pick a day you want to fast. Like I said, I'm doing Wednesday, you do as you feel led, but that's the first thing is pick a day. Number two, uh, pick a start and end time, okay? That's it. You may have already done this in your head, but you got you to kind of plan this out. Pick a day you want to fast, then pick a start and end time. I suggest end it Wednesday supper. Again, that, that, that's what I'm doing, but you know, you... you the reason you pick a start and end time, you do realize, is you want to give yourself some sort of uh, finish line there. I think if you're like, I'll fast till I get hungry. 
Yeah, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's one way to do it. Uh, but I think starting and giving yourself an end time. Um, and if you don't make it all the way, are you a failure? No. No. It's a, it's a discipline, spiritual discipline, right? Training. Let's try something else uh, the next time, see? Uh, number three, are you going to do a normal fast or partial fast? In other words, are you going to do water only or juice and water? Okay. Select that. And number four is, like, intend to do it. You actually have to make, you kind of have to make that commitment um, if you're going to do that. Uh, that's it. Those are the next steps. Musicians are going to come. And uh, all of this is subsumed in one thing. We are fasting to center our lives on the glory of God. Jesus uh, said something Really interesting when he was asked about fasting. Do you remember this? Uh, this is in Matthew 9, Mark 2, Luke 5. Um, so they come to Jesus' disciples and they want to know, like, hey, how come the disciples of John the Baptist were always into fasting? They were, like, really into fasting. But you guys, disciples of Jesus, you guys don't seem to do the fasting as much. Jesus said something really interesting. Do you remember what he said? He said, look, you ever been to a wedding at a huge wedding celebration where they decided today's going to be a fast day. And like when the groom shows up and the wedding celebration is there, that's not a fast day. That's a feast day. That's a feast day. He says, so how can, how can, how, how there will come a day when the groom is going to be gone for a season, then there'll be fasting. So I just want to point out, we're in that season. Our Lord Jesus, who calls his church, his bride, was here on the earth, walking on the earth. And that's why the disciples didn't fast. That was, a, that was feasting time. But then, after the ascension, we are praying for his glory to go out among all the nations. We are praying for the great commission. We are asking the Lord to send more laborers into his harvest field. We're asking him. We're longing ultimately for his return. And until that day, there will be seasons when the church fasts and pray. But you got to remember Revelation 19. You got to remember how this whole thing ends. This whole thing ends. Fasting is a temporary discipline because there is coming a day where there will be a great marriage feast, a great supper the Lord and his people forever together. And our lives will be centered on God and it will be feasting until that day and in honor of that day. And because we long for that day, we're crying out to God, humbling ourselves, prayer and fasting. It's just an invitation. I hope you'll join us. Let's pray. God grant to us wisdom on this topic of fasting for anyone who is uh, new to this, I pray, oh God, they would uh, uh, be led by you. For anyone who is uh, experienced in this, I pray, God, they would lead others, help disciple others, mentor and train. And God, grant to us a sense of your freedom in this spiritual discipline. We want more of you, God. Humble us. Keep us, uh, keep the spirit of unity and grant us all this, Lord, as we seek your face in Jesus' name.